Welcome to The Jesus Follower, a podcast about helping ordinary people be close to an extraordinary God. The goal? To help you experience the life you were designed to live in the good times, tough times, and in the moments that nobody else sees. What a, what a blessed uh, morning already. We just give God the glory for all that he does in our lives. So grateful for such a wonderful father and a wonderful savior. Um, we're going to be this morning in Acts chapter 27. And we're going to be talking about the title of the message today is Don't Jump Ship. And uh, I, I think it's a, it's a very practical message for us today. And it's been very practical for me uh, as well in preparation. It was one of those passages where you, as you're reading the word sometimes that you, have you ever felt God just illuminate it and you're like, oh, well, I've read that before, but I've never read it like that, right? You know, and God just brings the the word to life and, and puts life to the word, to the scriptures. And that's, that's kind of the way this message was today. And I'm so grateful to share it with you. But today we're going to spend some time on a boat uh, with Paul. And we're going we're gonna to kind of look at what that has to, what that entails this morning a little bit, um, but how many, let me just ask you this, how many of you have ever felt like, you don't have to raise your hand, I'll raise my hands because uh, at this point you know me well enough to know this is true, but uh, that felt like that, that your life was kind of like a shipwreck. All right, I'll just go ahead and uh, I'm just going to be honest with you and be transparent because, uh, well, I'm glad to see some other hands. I'm not alone, right? <laughs> so, it's, you know, because sometimes, sometimes life kind of feels like that, doesn't it? Like you, you feel like at some points that you kind of have things together, but then a few wrenches are thrown in and all of a sudden your whole world is rattled and you didn't expect it and you don't always, ha- or let me say, I don't always handle it well, right? I don't always do well with the wrenches that's thrown into my plan in life, if that makes sense. Uh, and so, you know, I, I was uh, able to, blessed to be able to work for a boat cleaning company uh, early on after I was out of high school where we would go down. We lived close to Lake Cumberland, and, and Lake Cumberland obviously has a lot of houseboats and big boats. And, uh, and so we, I worked, they made canvas for the boats, and they cleaned the boats. And there was only one time I got to go in the water, under the water, and, and clean it under the water. It was a lot easier because it soaked, you know, like dishes at home. Most of us have dishwashers now, but I always had to, I was the dishwasher when I was growing up, and so you let the dishes soak, right? I mean, that's, and the boats do that when they remain in the water. When you take them out, all that gunk dries and hardens, and it makes it harder to clean. Uh, but I remember there came a time, believe this or not, where they let me drive the pontoon. <laughs> It was brave, you know. They were uh, uh, people of faith. They believed in the Lord, and so they must have thought that in God all things were possible. And so they let me drive the pontoon boat that went out to clean the other boats. Uh, and you know, it was interesting driving a pontoon because you know I thought to myself, "Where well, I probably know how to drive a boat, right? I mean, I drive a car, and that seems like if I can drive a car, I can drive a boat. That was my my logic and reasoning. But I found out that driving a car is actually not like driving a boat very much at all. Who's driven boats in here? Is anyone... Okay, so we have some uh, boat drivers in here. So this is gonna. So this is what I found out is that boats don't have brakes like cars. They don't work the same way, right? 
yeah, I mean, it was a shock. And, and believe it or not, like the, the water rolls in a, on a boat, whereas the road doesn't do that. If the road does that, there's a bigger problem that you need to be uh, aware of, right? Uh, you probably got some tire issues or the earth is shaking, and that's a whole other issue. But yeah, the, the road really doesn't do that like, like the boats do on the water. And so that was a little bit of a learning curve for me. I actually didn't do too much damage because they didn't give me a real fast boat. It was just a pontoon, and I was cautious with it when I first started, uh, but I, I just found it very interesting that boats don't have brakes like cars. It was a big learning process for me, and needless to say, I was not an expert at pulling the boat up on the ramp when it was back down in the water, so there was a, there was a lot of a learning curve when it came to driving a boat versus a car. But when I say don't jump ship, you know, it, this is kind of the, the mentality. Life is kind of like that water sometimes, isn't it? Like, like you get out on it and you think that you know what to expect. Right? Like, like when you plan your week, you kind of plan your week a certain day and you never plan in your week that tragedy to take place, right? You never plan on that week that sudden death or that sickness or that difficulty or that person that you meet in the world that you didn't expect to meet that doesn't come at you in a loving way but comes at you in an aggressive way. Like you, ne you can't plan stuff like that. And so, so when you make your schedule, when I think about the water and the boat, you know, a lot of times I set sail in, in the daily life or in the week expecting one thing to happen. And then it almost always happens like I least expect it to happen. Has anyone ever experienced that? And so in ministry, a lot of times that's kind of your day. And so Tiffany has gotten very, I don't, oh, there you are. Okay. Tiffany has gotten very used to this because my schedule isn't like just a, a nine to five schedule because uh, it's pretty much an on-call schedule, right? So something can change at the drop of a hat and you just don't know how to plan for it all because it's like the water. It's, it's ebb and flow and waves and moves you over here and moves you over there. And, and in the process of being on that boat, sometimes I feel like I have, absolutely no control and I don't know what I'm doing. Has anyone ever felt like that? Yeah? Okay. All right. You all can raise your hands proudly, all right? Make me, don't make me feel like I'm alone unless if I don't lie to me either, all right? So I'm very specific here with these instructions. So in Acts 27, this is what we, we find, and just, just to give you a little bit of background here, we find that, uh, that Paul has already been back to Jerusalem. We're coming toward the end of the book of Acts, and he's been back to Jerusalem, and he's been taken captive, and they're on their way taking Paul to Rome, which is what Paul wanted. He wanted to share the gospel in Rome as well. He just maybe didn't think or didn't realize that that meant he would go in chains, but nonetheless, we know that Paul didn't shy away from the chains. Paul didn't shy away from the prisons. Paul didn't shy away from physical persecution. Paul just always was all about Jesus. And so we find that in this account that Paul is on the ship with some other folks. You know, a lot of times he's got soldiers chained to him or very close to him. He's diligently sharing the gospel even in captivity. Uh, and he's on this boat and they're, they're come, they come to this place of kind of a decision point. 
And that decision point, if, if you could pull up the map, I, I want to kind of show this map. There's going to be a map that's going to pop up here. Uh, that decision point was, do we continue to go and sail or do we stop and winter where we are? Which is going to be the best for the boat and the crew? You know, they were traveling on their way to Rome because that's the direction they were going. Paul asked to, to talk to Caesar. And so they were traveling and they were going to travel. They're going to end up in Malta or Melida, and they're coming from Crete. And so when I look, this map shows it a little better. When I look at the little map in the back of the Bible, it's like, oh, it's like a 30-minute drive or, or on the boat, 30 minutes. But it's actually almost 600 miles that they're traveling, just so you can kind of get your mind in what is actually going on in this passage. And, and what, what they have to decide is, do we continue to sail or do we winter in Crete? Do we stay put for a season? And so in Acts 27, verse number 9, we're going to kind of pick up on this, and so if you wouldn't mind standing in honor of the reading of the Word of God, we're just going to read a few verses, then we're going to have a, then we'll, then we'll sit back down, and we'll kind of talk this chapter out. But in Acts 27, verse number 9, this is what it says. The Word of God says this. Now, when, time, when much time was spent, and when sailing was now dangerous, because the fast was now already past, Paul admonished them, and said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will, will be with hurt and much danger damage, not only of the ladding and ship, but also of our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. And because the haven was not commodious to winter in, the more part advised to depart thence also, if by any means they might attain to Finnis and there to winter, which is in a haven of Crete, and lieth toward the southwest and northwest. And when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, loosing thence, they sailed close by Crete. Um, so let's pray and ask the Lord's blessing on this. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we just pray for your understanding, Father, in this passage. I think, Father, you have a lot to show us about our lives and about what we face just in life in general through this scripture. And I just pray, Father, that I, I nor any, any of us will get in the way of what you want to share with us, that your spirit will just lead the way. And we just ask you to just be in charge of everything that's shared this morning, all for your glory, God. And we just praise you for it. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, you all can be seated. Thank you. All right, so, so we, we kind of have the scene set. We know that they're in, in Crete, and they're trying to make this decision. Do they go on? Do they stay? And just so I can make sure that we're all on the same page, what was Paul's answer? Someone say it really loud. Stay put. I heard it. Was that all the way in the back? Good job. All the way in the back. Okay, I heard it all the way in the back. Stay put. So, so Paul gave the advice and, and know that, that whatever advice they took, it didn't just affect one person. This affected a whole ship full of people, right? A whole ship. It wasn't just one. It was the whole boat that was affected by what was going to happen here. Uh, and so a lot of times in our lives, we even think the same thing. Like our decisions and what we do and what we listen to only impacts us, but rarely is that ever the case, right? It almost always impacts more than just you or I. And so Paul gives this advice, but instead of listening to Paul's advice, who do they choose to listen to? 
Yeah, the centurion, right? The captain of the ship, the one that, that some, some other voice. And so, so what, I, what I want you to see, and what I think the word of God is sharing with us today is that it really makes a difference, the voice you choose to listen to. You know, there is a difference in good advice and God's advice. And there's a lot of people around us, and there's a lot of people in our lives, all of us, we have a lot of voices around us all the time, yes? I mean, a lot of different messages, a lot of different advice, if we're going through something hard, I mean, there's almost always that person, everybody wants to give you the best version of advice that they possibly can give you, especially if they're a loved one or a friend, because they want to lead you the right way. Has anyone ever been given bad advice by someone that wanted to lead you the right way? Yes, right? There's multiple voices. You see, in this scenario here, what what decision they were going to make was going to impact the whole crew. It was going to impact everyone involved. And Paul shows up and he said, listen, I think, and Paul was a man of God, but but the rest of them, I don't know that they were men of God. And and so they, they didn't listen. They weren't inclined to listen to the man of God speak. Instead, they chose to listen to another voice. And listening to the, to another voice is going to prove very cost worthy to them. But, but, but I want you to know this, and especially, you know, when I look at these youth and when I look at, when I think about the kids, but even the adults in our world today, there are all kinds of voices. There are all kinds of sources of advice. You know, you, you enter into a storm that's unexpected. You enter into a tragedy. You enter into a difficult thing spiritually. You enter into spiritual warfare, which a lot of times we're in more than we even realize. And the first thing that we do is we ask our group of advisors, what what do you think I should do? But I want you to know this, nothing against your group of advisors, but there's only one that truly knows what you need to do. And that is, that is the almighty. That is God himself is the only advice that you can take to the bank, right? There, there's no other advice, even though you, you may come to me or someone else in the church and, and, and they may have all the best intentions and they may say, listen, I think you should set sail. I think you should carry on on the task. The reality is they don't know the course like the master knows the course. And so it's it's really easy because in the world we live in, it's such a noisy world. And so it's a lot easier for me to go directly to somebody and say, what do you think? And listen to their response rather than be still before the throne and listen to what the God Almighty has to say. Does that make sense? And you see that. And here's the thing for us. The decisions that you make impacts the people around you more than what you realize. It doesn't just impact, if you're a part of this church, the decisions you make can impact your family. It can impact you personally. It can impact the church of God here at Rolling Hills Baptist Church. It can impact everybody in the sphere around you. It's not just like, oh, well, I'm going to decide to go this way because I think it's best and I'm the only one that's going to be impacted by this. We know that that's just simply not the truth, right? Right? So we have to understand it's so important that we listen to the right voice. And so you may ask the question, how do I know that voice? Right? 
How do I know the right voice? If I go to Dave Enzer here and I ask him a question, I'm going to know it's his voice coming back. But how do you know when it's God's voice that is speaking and leading and guiding you in a certain direction? How, how are we to know that? And maybe it's the case that we don't know what we're listening for. Maybe we don't understand what his voice sounds like. I hope that's not the case, but maybe it is. But the amazing thing about the voice of God, a lot of times he reveals himself to us through his word, right? And so if we're, if we're calling out to God and we're seeking his voice, you will always know that what you hear, if it's coming from God, is going to line up with this word of God, right? It's never going to contradict what the word of God says. So you can say, if you are diligent students of the scripture, and you say, well, I just don't know if it's what God is saying or not. If it's not in line with this word, you can say, that wasn't God that was saying it to me. But the other way that I describe it, and we've, we, I saw some head shakes, is that it's, it's, it's like an illumination when God speaks. It's the best way that, it's one of the best ways I can describe it. Sometimes I live life and I feel like I really don't have a clue, but when God shows up, it illuminates, right? And it's like, oh, the switch is on. Like when you walk in a room and it's dark and you can kind of see a little bit, but you can't see vivid details. Like Alex, when she was up there, she took her glasses off this morning. She only saw blobs. She said, but that's kind of the way that a lot of times we can live life, we see a little bit, but we don't see as clear as we could. But when God shows up, all of a sudden what was not so vivid becomes really, really vivid. Does that make sense? I mean, every time that I, I'm glad, when I came across this passage this week, early in the week, I was just reading my daily scripture reading. I was just reading and God, it was like the flashlight flipped on and I'm like, oh, Okay, I didn't realize that. I, w I wasn't even thinking that way. I didn't know that that's what, what, this word, what this passage was trying to say. And it lit everything up. And it's just a glorious thing when you can see and hear God speak into your life. It makes all the difference. Uh, you know, I want to share a passage. I shared this. Uh, this really isn't in the plans, but that's okay. It's not really my plan anyway. Uh, but in John 3, I shared this at the children's workers meeting. This really jumped out to me. Um, it says in John 3, verse number 29, uh, you know, the, the, the people were asking, you know, Jesus, they, Jesus was being, uh, a lot of people were coming to Jesus to be baptized and, and, and they're coming to John. They're saying, what do you think about this? You know, everybody's coming to Jesus now. What about you, John? And, you know, kind of, kind of, I always feel like sometimes people try to poke the bear. Uh, what about you? I don't know that this was a situation. But this is what, this is what John says in verse, uh, we'll actually start at, at verse number 27 in, in John 3. It says, John answered and said, a man can receive nothing except to be given him from heaven. Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This, my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. He must increase and I must decrease. Think about that. John said, as a friend of the bridegroom, I just rejoice to hear the bridegroom speak. And I want you to know that for the child of God, there is joy in hearing the bridegroom speak. And that joy is our strength, as Nehemiah 8 talks about. You see, for you and I, when we hear him speak, I think about John. When John saw Jesus coming, what did John do? Do you remember? You can get loud. You don't have to be. 
There was an exclamation point, so it says, I'm trying to hop with you here, but no one's hopping, all right? So he says, behold, the Lamb of God, right? Like, it takes away, I mean, he was excited, like, oh, this is Jesus. This is the one we've been waiting for. This is the one I've been telling you about. I have been trying to get you to be ready because he's here. And I can only imagine when, he, when, he, when John says this, to hear the bridegroom's voice. I just want you to know that we all need to hear the Father's voice, don't we? There, there, there is joy, there is comfort, there is peace, there is direction, there is everything found at the feet of the one that is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. His voice is the only voice that we really truly need to hear because his voice is never going to lead you astray. But it also doesn't mean it's going to lead you into the place where you're most comfortable. And that's important for you to remember and me to remember that just because it, you, know, you hear the voice of the Father, that doesn't always mean it's going to line up with what you want. Because it's not your plan, it's his plan, right? And so, so it's important to remember that because sometimes God may call you to something really hard or really uncomfortable and you say, well, that can't be what God's saying because I don't want to do that. But here's the thing. God's not going to ask you what you want to do as much as he's going to guide you in what's best for you to do and what his will and his purpose is for your life. Does that make sense? It's not about what we want to do. It's about what God wants us to do, what God allows us to do, what he graciously equips us to do for his kingdom and for his glory. Because it's all about him. It's not about us, right? So we have to be careful with the voices. It's the first thing that we see. And they listen to the, to the wrong voice here. And, they, and, and so this is what happens in verse number 14. We're just going to read down through some of it here. It says, but not long after, there arose against it a temptuous wind called Euroclidon. And when the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive. And running under a certain island, which is called Clauda, we had much work to come by the boat, which when they had taken up, they used helps undergirding the ship and fearing lest they should fall into the quicksands, strike sail, and so were driven. And we were being exceedingly tossed with a tempest. The next day they lightened the ship, and the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship and when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared and no small tempest lay on us all hope that we should be saved was then taken away so so i want you to know that this is not an overnight trip for them in some challenging waters this is a trip for them that went on for many days they did not see stars they did not see that i mean it was a stormy stormy sea so it wasn't an overnight kind of concept here it was a prolonged time in stormy seas and if you kind of get your mind in if you think 14 days and they're tossing stuff overboard and the sea is going all over the place and they're in dangerous waters so much so that even seasoned sailors said all hope that we should be saved was then taken away so you ask yourself how bad did the seas have to be for even the seasoned crew to say we're not going to make it all hope is taken away now let me ask you this when you give somebody advice and they don't take it and end up in bad waters how do you handle that Because sometimes we throw our hands up, right? Hey, I tried. You didn't listen. 
But think about it. Paul gave them good advice. Paul was included with the crew on the, on the boat. They didn't take his advice. And guess who was suffering along with the rest of the crew? Or who was there in dangerous waters with the rest of the crew? Paul was. You know, I think about it when we talk about Moses, right? Because Moses, did Moses doubt God going into the promised land? Did Joshua doubt God going into the promised land? Did Caleb doubt God going into the promised land? No, none of them did, but everybody else did, right? And so because everybody else did, they got to spend 40 additional years in the wilderness with a bunch of whiners and complainers, all because they would not trust God. God, it wasn't me that did this. It was them. Isn't that sometimes how we can kind of lean that way? It wasn't me, God, that did that. It was them. So Paul all of a sudden is in this boat and all the crew is, is alarmed. They think that their lives are gone. They are going to be lost. They're surely not going to make it. And so look at uh, the second thing I want you to see about this is that even when we make the wrong call and listen to the wrong voice. God is always faithful. Even when we don't get it right, God is always right. And God is always faithful. So sometimes we think, and, and some of you may be there right now, you say, well, I made some bad decisions in life and that's why I am where I am. My, my family is struggling, people around me are struggling, I'm going through a difficult time and I know that I've made some bad decisions. And you may think to yourself, I just don't see an end to this, but what I can tell you, because the word of God is true, is that even when we make bad decisions, it doesn't change the faithfulness of God. God will never fail. He will never fall short. He will never stop loving and then stop forgiving. He is always the same yesterday, today, and forever as the word of God says. And so don't lose heart just because you listen to a wrong voice. No, there is redemption at the feet of the Father. And so look at, look at what God did for the ship. They didn't listen to Paul. They found themselves in trouble. Verse number 21, it says this, but after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, sirs, you should have hearkened unto me. You know, a little stab there, right? Uh, and who, wouldn't, who of us wouldn't do that? I told you, right? I tried to tell you. Why didn't you listen, right? As parents, we do that sometimes. Why didn't you just do, um, you, should have, you should have hearkened unto me, he says, and not have loosed from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer. And, and you know, with God, it's the only place you find words like be of good cheer when you're about to sink in a ship, right? In the middle of the sea, you don't find that anywhere else. No one else comes, comes to you and while you're in a, a terrible spiritual warfare or battle and says, hey, you can have hope. You can be of good cheer. There's only one that does that. And that is the great rescuer, right? There's only one. He says, be of good cheer. Why? For there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sir, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe, God, that it shall be even as it was told me, howbeit we must be cast upon a certain island. 
So you see that even though it was a, 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 a situation that was very challenging for them, a very difficult season for sure, days on a ship in the storm, you see, even when they had made and listened to the wrong voice, made wrong decisions, God shows up. God shows up. You know, oftentimes in the stormy seas, God shows up. You remember when they were on the boat and the storm came and Jesus was sleeping? Uh, you know, he was napping because he's, he's not scared of the storms, right? I mean, he can speak and they obey him, so why does he have to be afraid? So they wake him up and he talks to the storm and the storm quits. You see, even in the midst of a stormy sea, God shows up. And sometimes in our lives, if I can just be real with you about my life, because I raise both my hands saying sometimes I feel like I'm in a shipwreck, we can get so caught up in the details of the shipwreck that we forget the one that's over the storm. Right? And we, and, and we, we jot down all the details and we, we ponder and we contemplate it and we're like, oh, but this happened. And Tiffany knows I, I use her as a sounding board and I, I go home in my frustration and I talk and I talk and I talk and I talk and it just doesn't help anything. It just makes it worse and it brings about details that I didn't even think about at first, but now I'm thinking about it and it's making it worse and it's just heap upon heap upon heap and all the while I feel like God's like, hey, I'm here. I've not left you. I've not forsaken you, nor will I ever, why won't you just give me the attention? Why won't you just worship me? Why won't you just bow at my feet? Why won't you cry out? Cast yourself at my feet. I'm right here, and I've never went anywhere. But when the waves get high, and the boat starts, the wood on the boat starts crackling, and the water starts coming into the boat, and you feel like you're starting to sink, it's a lot easier to pay attention to all those details than to the one who speaks and can stop that storm. It's a lot easier to pay attention to that than to remember that storm's not going to last forever. Whether it's on this life or in the next, we know that we have a Savior that is a faithful shepherd that's going to see us through not only on this life, but see us through into all eternity. And we can, we can, just like Paul says, I believe God, right? We can believe that. We can trust him because he never lies. And we get so bogged down in my stormy seas of life, uh, you know, in the shipwreck, it's always you're bogged down in the stuff without remembering the Savior. And so I think the challenge is for you and I in the midst of when we do make wrong decisions, when there are consequences, when there are troubles, is to remember the one who's in control of it all and fix your eyes on him. Look up and don't look around you, but keep your eyes focused on the one that died for you and is alive today. So, so Paul, God shows up for the, for the crew, uh, but, but here's, here's the thing, and I, and I can relate to everything in this. I don't know if you can or not, but I can relate to all of this as God has revealed it, and, and I just want to continue to read. I know it's several verses, but let's just read a few more for the last point today. It says this, wherefore, or in verse number 27, but when the 14th night was come, as we were driven up and down in Adria about midnight, the shipmen deemed that they drew near to some country, and sounded and found it 20 fathoms. And when they had gone a little further, they, they, they sounded again and found it 15 fathoms, which is about 105 feet away, this rocky shore, this dangerous area. Then fearing lest they should have fallen upon the rocks, they cast four anchors out of the stern and wished for the day. 
And as the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship, when they had let down the boat into the sea under color, as they, they would have cast anchors out of the foreship, Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, except these abide in the ship, you cannot be saved. <laughs> that was the verse that hit me like a ton of bricks. Because when I get in choppy water, my first inclination is to get away from that ship. The first thing that I want to do when life gets hard, when challenges arise, is not to stand there and face it. It's not to say, hey, let's scoop the water out of the boat and keep going. It's not to say, let's ride it out. It's like, where is that extra boat that I can drop that's in better shape, that's safer, so that I can get away from this choppy water, from this broken boat, and not lose? Where is the boat so that I can flee? When I hit stormy seas, my first inclination is run. Can anybody else relate to that? When God is doing something in your life that you really don't like, when you're in the middle of loss, spiritual warfare, challenging times, the first inclination, my first is, I need to get away from this. Run. Even though God had said to the crew what he said through Paul, they were 105 feet approximately away from rocks. The ship was being tossed, and they panicked. And their answer, run. Until God, through his servant Paul, spoke up to them, and Paul said, wait, don't run. God has not called you to run. He says, unless you stay in the ship. It goes against everything that we logically or rationally would think. We don't stay in the ship, God. The ship is sinking. The ship is in trouble. The storm is bad. And yet God says, I want you in the ship. Stay. And you know, a lot of times, church, we do this with church, with ministry, with so many things in our life. If church isn't going just like we want it to go, we run. If ministry isn't going just like we want it to go, we run. If all of a sudden there's, there's stuff that's changing and things are happening different and we, and all of these things, uh, we run. But sometimes, God may be saying, I want you to stay in the ship. I don't want you to run based on your comfort. I want you to only move based on my word. And so often, we make so many moves in life based on our feelings, based on our emotions, based on what we think. But I'm here to tell you that what I think doesn't mean that much because his thoughts are not my thoughts and his ways are not my ways. My thoughts in this scenario would have been to get as far away from this broken ship as what I possibly can. But he said, I'm taking the ship, but I'm not taking your lives, but you got to stay in the boat. Because with God, there's one way of salvation. There's not whatever you think best. It's one way. With Noah and that big boat, right? One way. With this, there's one way. 
With you and I in our lives today, there's one way of salvation. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am that way. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And so just like in this boat, I think about our lives and a lot of times our ship seems to be sinking, we're in troubled waters and we're looking for everything else to find comfort that we need in a time when there's a risen Savior that says, I am all that you need. But you've got to stay in me. You've got to know me. Salvation is not in our good works. Salvation is not in baptism. Salvation is not in what we want it to be. When the, when the, when the boat begins to rock, we don't find the answers that we need truly and what everybody else has to say. We don't find it in all the other voices. We don't find it as we look around on this earth. We only find it in the risen Son of God, in Jesus Christ, and in salvation in His name. That's the only place where we can remain and live even when we're in rocky waters. Because this old frail boat of this life, this body, is going to get crushed. This body, when the storms come and, and when life happens and, and, and the years go by and you're met with tragedy after tragedy after tragedy, you're met with sickness that comes on all of a sudden, you're met with heartache and grief, you're met with stress and all these other things, this whole body is going to bend and break and sometimes we think, oh, I just don't know what to do anymore. Jesus says, there is life in me. When this world throws storms at you, the way to survive the storms is to remain in the Savior, God's only way for salvation in life. I love that Paul called out, God's word says, called out to him, you gotta stay in the boat. The boat is going to be destroyed. Let me tell you, this world can destroy us physically, but the spirit is renewed day by day. Because the Savior is alive. He is risen. So if you're at a place in life where you say, everything doesn't seem to be happening like I want it to. I feel crushed. I feel beaten. I feel abandoned. I feel forsaken. I just want to run. Let me say, let me say this to you. If that is where you are, run to the feet of Jesus and stay put right there. Because it's at the feet of Jesus that you're going to find everything that you, maybe you have a physical ailment or sickness. Maybe you're struggling in your family. Maybe you've been through a hard time and you're like, I just got to get away. I just want to get away from church. I want to get away from people. I don't want to be around anybody. Let me tell you, that's what the enemy wants you to do. Because just like in a fire, when you separate a coal that coal begins to burn out. And what once was hot, the farther it gets away from where it needs to be, it gets cooler, cooler, and cooler until it's not glowing at all. So many times, and I get it, like I'm there, I understand it, because I'm the same way. We want to get off the boat because it's too hard. But God shows up all the time in his word and he shows up in a way that says, but I'm here. I've got you. You will have life and that for all eternity. 
but you have to do it my way. As they were getting ready to drop it down, Paul says, no, you've got to stay on the boat. And I would tell you here today that if you do not know Jesus Christ and you're trying to figure it all out and you're trying to find the solution in the right way and you're going here and here and all over the place to try to find it, you will not find it apart from knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That is the only place that you're going to find what you're looking for. If you're here today and you're struggling by focusing on all of the details of the storms in your life, and maybe you've even got that lifeboat dropped down, have faith and trust in the almighty God of the universe who never leaves you or forsakes you. Stay with him all the way to the end. Don't give up. Because he's not going to give up. He's not going to fail. He's not going to be weak. He's not going to depart from you. He's always going to be faithful. Paul says, you got to stay on the boat. Abide in the ship. You cannot be saved. He uses the word abide. Jesus uses the same word. He uses the word abide in John 15. He says, abide in me. Because without him, we can't bear fruit. Without him, we don't have salvation. And so look at what happens. He says in verse 32, then the soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat and let her fall off. And while the day was coming, Owen, Paul besought them all, um, them all to take meat, saying, this day is the 14th day that you have tarried and continued fasting, having taken nothing. Wherefore, I pray that you take some meat, for this is for your health, for there shall not a hair fall from the head of any of you. And when he had thus spoken, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. Then were they all of good cheer, and they they also took some meat. Um, and they were all in the ship, over 200. It says uh, 200, three score, and 16 souls. Over 200, almost 300 people were in this boat. And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and cast out the wheat into the sea. It says in verse number 41, if we can jump on down there, it says, and falling into a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground and the four parts stuck fast and remained unmovable. But the hinder part was broken with the violence of the waves and the soldiers counsel was to kill the prisoners lest any of them should swim out and escape. But the centurion willing to save Paul kept them from their purpose and commanded that they which could swim should cast themselves into the sea and get to land and the rest, some on boards and some on the broken pieces of the ship. And so it came to pass that they all, or that they escaped all safe to the land. All of them. Just like the word of God says. Just like the song that we sang, you know, in Jesus, Jesus is going to, if you come to Jesus, he'll save everybody that comes to him, won't he? All. It's not, it's not a matter of, well, I've, I've, been, I've been too bad. I don't know if I can be saved out of this train wreck of life that I've had. You see that even when there are consequences, even though there are consequences, even when the storms come as a result, God is still faithful. If God abandoned us just because we didn't get it right, none of us would be saved. But that's not the God that we serve. He shows up even when we don't get it right. And you may say, why? And I would say, that's the same question that I ask. Because God is gracious and merciful and loving to us in a deeper way than we can even fathom. Because he's truly a father. 
That even when his children get out of line, even when his people make mistakes, he doesn't kick them out. He loves them. And he wants to reconcile. He wants to restore. Glory to his name that he does. He's a father that sent us his son who lives today so that we can be, have life. Everyone on the boat lived, just as God said it was. And everyone that knows Jesus as their Lord and Savior will live, just like the word of God says they will, just like Jesus said they will. But the key is, we have to stay in the boat. As we, as we come into a time of invitation this morning, I think that is the challenge for all of us today. Where are you in life? Is, are there things in your life right now that you can honestly say, I don't understand while I'm going through this? Are there things in life right now that, that you can say, it's, it's so challenging, there's, there's so much wreckage, it's so chaotic, I don't even know what to do. Are there many voices that are bombarding your life right now to say, do this, go this way, go this way. I want to tell you from the word of God, as the word of God has spoken to us today, the answers for the direction and the guidance that you need in life is only found in the Lord. He is the only one that has the voice that you can always count on. And I want to say this to you. If you're here today and you never have truly met Jesus on a personal level, you've never truly entered into the boat, right? Into the, into the, the way, the truth, and the life. You've never entered into that relationship. You don't know him. You may, have been, you may have been what you would deem as a good person. I'm not talking about being a good person. You may have been a person that was baptized at one point. I'm not talking about just being baptized. You may have been someone that grew up in church your whole life. I'm not talking about that either. You need to meet Jesus. Because the only place that we find life in the midst of the stormy seas for all eternity is at the feet of Jesus. Do you know him today? Personally? I'm not talking about knowing him through a family member that, that's a good example. I'm not talking about saying you're a Christian because your parents were Christians. It doesn't, that doesn't cut it. You have to know him. Are you here this morning and, and you're in the sea and you want to run? Everything in your body cries, step back, be by yourself, get away. I want you to know that that's not what God says. God says the opposite. Come to me. I am here. I want to know you. at his feet 
whether you're saved or not. It's what we need. Because the more that the storms arise, the more I find out I just don't know how to handle them on my own. Nor do I have the strength to do it. I need him. So don't let pride get in the way of you casting yourself before him. Don't let the idea and the, and the deception from the enemy that, oh, you can handle it on your own. No, you can't. That's why we needed him. Right? We don't even know what's coming. But he does. So as we have this time today, I just pray, don't be ashamed to cast yourself at his feet. Don't think it a weak thing because you know you can't handle it. Because I'm telling you, I can't either. And I don't even want to because I always make a mess of it. So as we stand together this morning, uh, I just want to pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father God, so many things about this passage that really encourages me. And I hope it has everyone else. That Father, they were only in the storm because they made a wrong choice. Truly, God.